welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, September 13th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin. And before we get to today's show, a quick heads up that we'll be shifting the format around just a little bit in the coming months with a quarterly deep dive into various public health related topics and special guests bringing you up-to-date expert information and guidance on COVID-19. So look for our first deep dive, COVID in Schools, coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, today's episode covers the COVID-19 media briefing held last Friday, September 10th, including an update from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidance on COVID-19, you can follow our department across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Dr. Ferrer. Thanks, everyone, for joining me for today's briefing. Uh, this afternoon, I'll be talking about our trends in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths by vaccination status, age group, and race and ethnicity. I'll also be able to provide an update on our variant data, review our progress with vaccinations, and share some information on differences in risks by vaccination status. Um, and I'll also have some uh, information to share on the risk factors for death from COVID by vaccination status. I'll go ahead and take the first slide. Uh, we're sad to report uh, an additional 50 deaths today. At least 42 of the folks who passed away had underlying health conditions. This does bring the total number of deaths to 25,611 uh, across LA County. To everyone who's lost their friends and their family during this difficult time, we're wishing you peace and comfort and our prayers remain with you. We're reporting 2,024 uh, new cases today, which brings the total number of cases in LA County to 1,427,817. To date, more than 8.3 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County. Our daily test positivity is 2.6%. And this is a slight decrease from last week's same day rate of just about 3%. Our daily average case rate with a three-day lag is now 14.6 cases per 100,000 people. And that's a nearly eight percentage point decrease from last week's three-day lag case rate of 22.3 cases per 100,000 people. There are 1,385 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19. This is a decrease of 58 people over the past week. There are currently 238 open investigations at residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. This is a decrease of 19% since last week and reflects the reduction in community transmission. I wanna note that this weekend we'll be making improvements to our data processing systems that will result in no data being reported on either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, neither our data collection nor our outbreak investigations are affected by the pause in reporting, but we won't be issuing press releases uh, on both of these days. Uh, next slide. In order to assess the risk of COVID in LA County, we do use the CDC indicators and thresholds to categorize community transmission of COVID-19. You'll note that this framework uses a cumulative seven-day case rate, meaning they look at the number of cases per 100,000 people over the past week, rather than a daily case rate. 
while transmission in LA County remains at the high level with our seven day cumulative case rate now, 104 new cases per 100,000 residents, this case rate represents a welcome 35% decrease from last week. This is the third week in a row we've seen decreases in our case rate. Overall, we've seen a nearly 50% decrease from our peak of 204 cases per 100,000 people on August 19th. It's worth noting that these recent declines may reflect the masking requirements implemented early in the surge and the small increases in our vaccination coverage. Other parts of the country that don't have masking requirements and don't have as much vaccination coverage have not seen these significant declines in cases. Next slide. This graph shows trends in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in the county from the beginning of the pandemic through September 2nd of this year. Over the course of the pandemic, we've seen cases peak and decline. On September 2nd, cases, here represented by the green line, declined by about 22% from the week prior. While we welcome the decreases, we do anticipate that with increased routine screening, testing, and intermingling at schools and work sites, along with Labor Day travel and gatherings, we do face the risk that our case numbers could once again increase. Hospitalizations appear to continue their small decline with a 3% downward change over the last week to about 1,600 people hospitalized daily. Again, uh, we're looking at this data through September 2nd. I wanna note that the decline continued through to this week uh, where we now for a couple of days in a row have been able to report less than 14,000 people hospitalized. With deaths lagging even further behind hospitalizations, we do continue to see dozens of deaths reported each day. These continued losses are unbearable especially because so many are preventable by widely available and extremely safe COVID vaccines. Next slide. Uh, the bar chart shows the number of cases accounted for by the Delta variant. And as you can see, the Delta variant now accounts for 100% of all sequence strains in LA County. This variant is more infectious and more efficiently transmitted between people compared to earlier COVID strains. And it's obviously crowded out all of the other previously circulating strains. While emerging data affirms that fully vaccinated people are well protected from severe infections with Delta variants, it's now clear that fully vaccinated people can become infected, and if infected with Delta, they infect others. Next slide. One of the labs that performs much of the sequencing whose results are linked with LA County residents recently reanalyzed many of their samples with an updated version of the genetic library used to identify variants. As a consequence, the lab reclassified many older specimens as mu or lambda variants, resulting in an increase in the total number of these variants reportedly linked to LA County residents uh, by our public health lab. So we're now reporting 232 cases linked to the mu variants and 28 cases linked to the Lambda variants. As this chart shows, most of these specimens were actually collected earlier in the summer, even though this report was just made available in the past week. We do note uh, that the mu, mu and Lambda variants in particular uh, are captured here because while the CDC doesn't consider either of them to be variants of concern or interest, the World Health Organization does identify them as variants of interest, 
due to their involvement with significant community transmission or multiple COVID-19 clusters in many different countries. Although mu was the dominant strain in Colombia earlier this year, and in lab studies has demonstrated some features suggesting it may not be as vaccine preventable as other COVID strains, it has been outcompeted by the Delta variant uh, here in the United States. Meanwhile, at its June peak, Lambda represented a little over 10% of South America's new COVID infections in June of this year. And while it likewise carries mutations that suggest it could be more infectious and vaccine resistant than original strains of COVID, it has not resurged after peaking globally in early July. We do continue to monitor sequences isolated from cases throughout our region and continue to provide regular updates on variant trends among LA County residents. Next slide. As always, we track the effectiveness of the vaccines by looking at the experiences of everyone vaccinated. This slide shows data for those fully protected by the vaccines to scale. The large green box represents the nearly 5.3 million residents who are fully vaccinated. The tiny purple box in the left lower corner of the green box represents the 43,598 fully vaccinated people who tested positive for COVID as of September 7, 2021. While this is an increase of 16% from last week, it's important to note that this remains at less than 1% of all those vaccinated becoming infected with COVID. Of those who tested positive, 1,243 were hospitalized. Again, this is an increase from last week where we saw 1,449 1,049 people hospitalized. This translates to 0.023% of all fully vaccinated people ending up hospitalized. Deaths in this group over this interval also increased from 118 to 165, and this resulted in a small increase to 0.003% of fully vaccinated people passing away. These small increases tell us something we already know. When we have a vaccine that provides excellent protection from COVID-related hospitalizations and death, but somewhat less protection from infection and transmission, we will see rising infections among vaccinated people especially when community transmission is high. However, we'll also see relatively low rates of hospitalizations and deaths. These findings should reassure us that the vaccine is doing its very important work of dramatically reducing illness and suffering from COVID among the people who are vaccinated. Next slide. In the next set of slides, I'll be updating information on outcomes by vaccination status uh, showing this stratified by race and ethnicity, as well as by adult age group. In all of these slides, unvaccinated groups are represented by dotted lines, while vaccinated groups are represented by solid lines. The first slide shows that the highest case rate is now among Latinx unvaccinated people, represented by the dotted gray line, followed closely by black and white unvaccinated people, represented by the blue and red dotted lines. Both vaccinated and unvaccinated people can get infected, although their vulnerability to infection is likely different. So among all people, regardless of vaccination status, case rates are markers of exposure. Case rates in black and brown adults may be higher due to the increased intermingling that comes from jobs that involve frequent close contact 
with many others. As many establishments and businesses are fully open without capacity limits or distancing requirements, exposure risks are higher, particularly for those not yet fully vaccinated. Next slide. On this slide showing case rates in adults by age group, you'll note that rates across all age groups are trending downward, but still differ considerably both by vaccination status and by age group. The highest rates are among unvaccinated adults between the ages of 18 and 49, and that's represented here by the dotted purple line. The next highest case rates are among unvaccinated older adults, represented by the dotted yellow line. And below them, vaccinated younger adults in solid purple and vaccinated older adults in the solid yellow line. And these two groups have, as you can see, the lowest case rates. Unvaccinated adults in both age groups are three to five times more likely to get infected than vaccinated adults. The higher case rates here in younger adults may also be a consequence of the mixing that comes from being out and about, whether working, at school, or having fun. Next slide. When examining the data on hospitalizations, you can see that the highest hospitalization rates continue to be experienced by unvaccinated Black residents represented by the dotted blue line, followed by unvaccinated Latinx and white rep right residents, represented by the red and gray lines. Meanwhile, hospitalization rates remain very low among vaccinated individuals of all races. Next slide. If we look at hospitalizations by age group, the highest hospitalization rate continues to be among older unvaccinated adults, represented here by the dashed yellow line. While there has been a decrease in hospitalizations in this age group, unvaccinated adults 50 and over were still more than 17 times likelier to be hospitalized than their vaccinated counterparts. Hospitalizations in younger unvaccinated adults represented by the dotted purple line declined slightly, but they're now 23 times higher than the hospitalization rates for vaccinated 18 to 49 year old residents. Relative to unvaccinated adults, hospitalization rates among vaccinated adults of all ages, as you can see, remain very low. Next slide. We saw the deaths rise over the course of August, uh, the expected consequence of the July surge in cases. Deaths have been highest amongst our unvaccinated Black residents, who have also seen the highest hospitalization rates of all racial and ethnic groups for most of this surge. As you can see, looking at the solid lines along the bottom of this chart, vaccinations continue to have a robust protective effect against death due to COVID. Death rates continue to be nearly flat for all vaccinated groups, despite the rise in death rates among several unvaccinated groups. Because the death data lags so far behind the case data, there's an average of nearly five weeks after the date of infection uh, before a person is likely to pass away. We don't, we're not able to include the most recent death data here and in the next slide, because we want to avoid providing incomplete information that may be misleading. Go to the next slide. Looking at the death rates by age group, you see a combination of older age and unvaccinated status, putting people at particularly high risk for death from COVID. Unvaccinated adults 50 and over, represented by the dashed yellow line, continue to be at so much higher risk than any other group, vaccinated or not. At the latest point represented here, unvaccinated older adults were 16 times more likely to die of COVID 
than their vaccinated counterparts. Next slide. To help illustrate how the protective effect of vaccination has evolved over the spring and summer, we can compare the rates of different outcomes among people of different vaccination status month by month. Although I apologize uh, for the fact that there are a lot of numbers on this slide, the ones I wanted to draw your attention to are what we call the rate ratios. These are the numbers that represent the rates of each outcome in unvaccinated people, including those who have received no doses and just one dose of a two-dose vaccine uh, regimen, divided by the rates of the same outcome among vaccinated people. For example, looking under cases at the rate ratio for April of this year, we can see that unvaccinated people were six and a half times more likely than vaccinated people to become infected. As the months progressed, and as you know, the rate ratio has slowly declined um, as more vaccinated people have tested positive for COVID. Nonetheless, Unvaccinated people remain four times more likely to test positive, end up with a case of COVID uh, than those that are fully vaccinated. If you look at the ratios for hospitalizations, you can see that in April, vaccinated people were more than five times less likely than unvaccinated people to be hospitalized for COVID. Since April, the protective effect of the vaccination and hospitalizations has nearly doubled with unvaccinated people nearly 12 times less likely to be hospitalized than vaccinated people in August of this year. The overall increased case and hospitalization rates among both unvaccinated and fully vaccinated individuals in July and August are associated with increased circulation of the Delta variant. While the variants increased transmissibility and the greater intermingling of people over these months likely increase the risk of infection and hospitalization among many, this variant may also be associated with more severe illness. These rising hospitalization rates lay bare the very real and damaging impact of the variant. The fluctuating rate ratio among deaths reflects several dynamics. In earlier months, deaths among unvaccinated people were exceedingly rare contributing to what we call these high rate ratios that you can see here in May and June. Later in July, and especially in August, death rates rose among unvaccinated people. And over the same time, there was a small increase in the death rate among vaccinated people. Even a very small increase in a very low rate will have a big effect on these ratios, which explains why even as deaths increase to much higher numbers among unvaccinated people, than among vaccinated people, their rate ratio remained relatively stable over July and August. However, uh, even with the small increase in deaths among those fully vaccinated during the late summer, in July and August, unvaccinated individuals were 10 times more likely to die from COVID than those who were vaccinated. Next slide. We do look at the differences among people of all ages who died of COVID infections between May 1st and September 5th of this year. And we looked at the differences in the prevalence of some of the characteristics by whether somebody was vaccinated or not. The number of fully vaccinated people who died over this time interval was about one-tenth the number of unvaccinated people who died. It's 101 deaths among fully vaccinated people compared to 979 or almost 1,000 deaths among those that were not vaccinated. Fully vaccinated people who died were on average seven years older than unvaccinated people who died. 
All of those who died were more likely to be male, with about 60% of all deaths, regardless of vaccination status, occurring among men. Nearly all of those fully vaccinated people that passed away had at least one chronic medical condition, compared with 88% of those who were unvaccinated and passed away. Most of these chronic conditions that were listed here and we collected information on um, hypertension, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and immunocompromise were one and a half to two times more likely to be present among fully vaccinated people who had died compared with unvaccinated people who passed away. Chronic pulmonary disease was about 1.3 times more likely to be present amongst fully vaccinated people. Combined, these findings suggest that fully vaccinated people that die of COVID infection are older and sicker than those who pass away and are unvaccinated. Next slide. Given the powerful protection that vaccines continue to offer, we remain focused on making it easy for those not yet vaccinated to get vaccinated. As of September 5th, 91% of LA County residents 65 and over have received at least one dose of the vaccine and 76% of residents 16 and over and 75% of residents 12 and over have received at least one dose. 66% of residents 12 and over uh, have been fully vaccinated. Actually, 54, yeah, 66%, sorry. Um, 64% of teens between the ages of 12 and 17 received at least one dose and 54% are fully vaccinated. Countywide, more than 54,000 additional doses have been administered by LA County providers uh, as a third dose uh, for people who are immunocompromised. Out of our nearly 10.3 million LA County residents, including those who are not yet el eligible for the vaccine, 65% have received at least one dose and 57% are fully vaccinated. We'll go on to the next slide. This chart shows the number of first doses that are administered each week. Although please note that due to a lag in data reporting, numbers for the latest week often underestimate the number of doses administered by anywhere from 4,000 4, to 10,000 doses. The chart currently indicates that between August 30th and September 5th, we administered about 56,000 doses across the entire county network. Although we do expect this number will rise somewhat as additional doses are reported, we are making very little progress increasing vaccination coverage among our residents. In order to avoid the cycle of surges every few months, we do need to see a significant increase in vaccination coverage. While we need to continue efforts that guarantee easy access and build confidence in vaccines, we hope that targeted vaccination mandates, including those that were announced yesterday by LAUSD and the president, will help us see these numbers rise in the coming weeks. Next slide. Not only are we troubled by the limited increases in people getting vaccinated, persistent gaps in vaccination coverage between age and racial and ethnic subgroups continue to be an issue for all of us. On this table, groups with vaccination rates below 50% are marked in red, while the remainder are in white. While we're relieved to see so many groups vaccinated at rates above 50%, no number on this slide is even close to 100%. Many people in each of these subgroups still remain unvaccinated. And the persistent gap should worry us all, since these indicate significant opportunities for continued high transmission of the virus. 
We need to reach as many people as possible in each of the subgroups if we're to have a chance at ending this pandemic. In many cases, the difficulty increasing vaccination uptake in low coverage communities is linked with distrust in the medical system born out of long histories of poor treatment. Although repairing the damage caused by healthcare inequities will not happen overnight, we must not worsen these inequities by inaction and closing coverage gaps, which will further worsen the existing disproportionality we see in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Next slide. Vaccination continues to be the most powerful path out of this pandemic. And the images on this slide try to illustrate how. In the boxes here, the pale gray dots represent healthy, unvaccinated people. The dark gray dots represent vaccinated people, and the pink dots represent infected people. The pictures at the top of the screen imagine two scenarios happening before a very infectious variant is introduced. In the one on the left, 30% of the population has been vaccinated, and in the one on the right, 75% of the population has been vaccinated. You could see that the more people vaccinated, even with a less infectious strange, uh, strain of the virus, the less transmission there is. The pictures on the bottom of the screen imagine the same scenarios only after we've had a very infectious variant uh, that has been introduced and has spread widely throughout the population. In the population on the left, where only 30% were vaccinated, the infection, as you can see, has spared almost no one, whether you're vaccinated or you're unvaccinated. But in the population on the right, about half of the total population has been infected, while the remaining half, almost all of them vaccinated, have been spared. And this is a population where 75% of the folks were fully vaccinated. And these pictures don't tell the whole story. Imagine that among all the pink dots at the bottom of the screen, each of them representing a newly infected person, those that were unvaccinated at the time of infection were more likely to transmit the infection and were also 20 times more likely to be hospitalized and 15 times more likely to die compared to their counterparts who were vaccinated at the time of infection. For the safety of our community and our workers and for the health of our economy, we would be in a much better place if we had the higher vaccination rate on the right. Vaccinations protect all of us and they keep our community safe, especially our children, our workers, and our elderly residents. These vaccines are safe, effective, and widely available. If you've been vaccinated already, we thank you for doing your part. And if you haven't yet been vaccinated, now would be the time. There are lots of people across this county able to help get questions answered and connect those not yet vaccinated to resources and vaccines. Please help us end this pandemic. Thank you, and now I'll take your questions. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask uh, Dr. Furr a question, please click on the hand icon that's in the participant panel, uh, and that will put you into queue. Uh, our first question, uh, Dr. Furr, will come from Claudia Peschita with uh, KNX. Hi, I have a couple of questions. Um, do you think the universal indoor masking uh, requirement will continue uh, for as long as Delta remains dominant in the county? Number two, will the county um, consider mandating vaccinations for eligible students? And three, 
We've been talking about the disparities in vaccination rates for months now. I'm wondering what's working best. And I know that the county has been working with community groups and stuff, but I'm wondering what the county specifically is doing to try to close these gaps. Like what are the best practices and are, are we putting money into that? Thank you. Oh, thanks, Claudia. Um, the indoor masking uh, requirement will remain with us as long as we uh, have higher rates of transmission. You know, at, at this point, uh, if we're in moderate or, or high transmission on that table that we use uh, and share with you, uh, you can expect that uh, we won't be able to go ahead and remove that indoor masking mandate. We'll obviously be paying attention uh, to the data on uh, what we're learning about transmission uh, over the next few weeks uh, in places where we have high numbers of folks fully vaccinated uh, in order to assess when we get to either low or moderate rates of transmission, uh, whether or not it would be time uh, to lift that mandate. But uh, but we are, you know, again, going to be driven by our data. And when it doesn't look like uh, we need that additional layer of protection, uh, we'll go ahead and, and remove that additional layer of protection. Right now, we're still in high transmission, which is where we've been for a while, uh, and have a ways to go to get to a place uh, where it would be appropriate to be um, removing layers of essential protection. Uh, in terms of a, a mandate on, on vaccinations for school children, you know, I applaud LAUSD, uh, uh, the Culver City uh, School District and all the other school districts that are are looking at adding these additional uh, layer, this additional layer of protection that you get with uh, vaccinations for those that are 12 and older. And we're working closely uh, with all the school districts uh, to make sure that we're creating as much safety as possible. As I've noted uh, for weeks now, uh, there is an appropriate use of, of targeted uh, vaccination requirements and we're glad that school districts are having those conversations. We think that's the best place uh, to start having those conversations um, and are anxious uh, to work with the LA County of Office of Education and all of our school districts uh, as we chart a path forward uh, at our schools. Uh, in terms of closing the gaps, uh, I think this department has worked tirelessly with all of our partners um, to make sure that there are uh, dedicated resources to every effort uh, that's happening uh, to close the gaps, you know, including our partnerships uh, with so many of the folks in the communities that are doing exceptional work, reaching out uh, to those not yet vaccinated. Um, so, you know, millions and millions of dollars have been distributed by us, by the state, by the federal government to these uh, amazing partners uh, that are often trusted by residents in their communities. And, and we'll continue to make sure that our trusted partners, uh, that our partners who are trusted in the communities uh, have the resources uh, that they require uh, to be able to do their work as, as they are best able to define that work. We've also, you know, with our mobile teams and our commitment to mobile teams going everywhere, uh, and particularly in the hard hit communities, we've obviously deployed additional resources uh, that makes it very easy for us to be able to take vaccines to places where people are at, particularly in those communities that still have low vaccine coverage. Uh, and we're also uh, working on a whole host of initiatives, again, with community partners to address sort of root causes of inequities and in health outcomes 
Um, so there's there's immediate work that we're doing to improve access to vaccinations, um, to continue to ensure access to testing, um, ensure that people have resources if they need to isolate and quarantine. But there also is uh, really the need for uh, the continued dedicated work uh, to address the root causes of inequities uh, in our health outcomes, including in COVID. Uh, so that that's our commitment. Um, you know, we've learned uh, so much and so grateful for our community partners. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, they've also been very clear about the ways that we can help and, and be more helpful. And we constantly uh, try to realign to meet the needs uh, as expressed by both our community partners and our residents. So thanks for that. And uh, we can go on to the next question. That'll come from uh, Ron Lin with uh, LA Times. Hey, Dr. Carr, thanks so much for taking our questions. Um, first, I wanted to ask you uh, also about the lagging vaccination rates among uh, our younger Black and Latino residents. Do we know why the disparities are especially pronounced there compared to um, older populations? And do you think the LAUSD requirement will make a big impact? Um, second, just an overall question about masks. Um, uh, you know, LA County has uh, um, uh, seen improved case rates. So has Orange County, which hasn't. I, I was just wondering if you could talk a little about whether you think that the mask uh, mandate has made uh, a decisive difference in LA County's trajectory. And then finally, just a technical question on the rate ratio. Um, I understood the, the, what you, your observations about the cases, why, um, but I, I want to ask about the, the hospitalizations. Why do you think that uh, the protective effect of vaccinations against hospitalization grew uh, between the spring and the summer? Thank you. Um, thanks. Um, thanks, Ron. Um, uh, lagging vaccination rates, I, I think, you know, it's complex. Um, what the the many reasons may be for folks who have not yet come in to get vaccinated. You know, our experiences based on, you know, our community outreach teams, um, what we're seeing at our own vaccination clinics and what we're hearing from our partners are that, you know, some of the uh, most often expressed reasons uh, for the delay in getting vaccinated are due uh, with a sense that uh, the protection is not necessary, either because they have um, they're they're very healthy and they don't usually get very sick. They already had COVID and they feel like they have enough protections for, uh, you know, with with natural immunity uh, that they got from uh, being ill with COVID, or um, they uh, don't trust these vaccines as a good way to actually prevent spread of COVID. Um, in general, younger people seem to um, feel much more confident uh, that they can avoid a disastrous outcome from COVID. In part, you know, history has shown that healthier younger people are less likely to be hospitalized, less likely to die. So I think there's some reality to that. Uh, but I also think um, there's a reality to the fact that they get infected at a very high rate. Increasingly, uh, with Delta variant, they can have a, a pretty poor outcome. For those who even don't get very sick, uh, they could, in fact, experience what's being called long COVID uh, months later, not be doing so well. Um, and unfortunately, 
um, they may be very healthy, but people around them may not be, and uh, they become spreaders of a deadly virus. Um, so, you know, we we try and our partners try uh, to, you know, start with understanding and listening about what may be the barriers to people wanting to get vaccinated. I think at this point in time, uh, in many of our settings, uh, we need to, you know, make sure that, for example, at workplaces, uh, that we're able to protect each other. And I, I think that's where the president is heading. Uh, that's where the county headed already by requiring vaccinations is there's just an obligation uh, for us to really try to stop uh, the continued pandemic. Uh, and vaccinations are the most powerful tool we have. In terms of, um, do I think there'll be a, an impact uh, on the requirement that um, students at LAUSD who are 12 and older uh, go ahead and, and get themselves vaccinated. I, I think, yes, it will have, I, I think, a big impact. I mean, the first impact will be uh, on all of those students who want to be part of an extracurricular activity. That includes all of the sports teams. And I think many students uh, already have gotten vaccinated and realized it, it offers a lot of protection. And it also frees you up from having to quarantine when you have an exposure. Uh, so I think it, it ends up being a very good deal. Uh, even in the moment and a better deal in terms of the protections it gives the students, the surrounding school community and their community at home. Uh, so I do think it'll have an impact and I think it'll be a, a fairly quick impact. I, I think many younger people um, are, are hesitant for, for different reasons um, than I noted. I mean, certainly 12, 13, 14 year olds uh, that we're speaking with, uh, they don't want to, they don't, they don't like getting shots. Um, so there's a lot of nervousness around getting shots and there's been a lot of misinformation. Um, I, I appreciate all the parents and the pediatricians that are working to clear that up. Uh, and our hope is that uh, this will be an incentive for people to come in uh, relatively soon uh, to get those vaccinations, certainly before the cold weather sets in and many activities that are now happening outdoors have to go ahead and be moved indoors. Um, I do think the mask mandates make a difference. I, I haven't looked at Orange County's uh, data, but they're a very different uh, population than we are, certainly much less dense. Uh, and we certainly have uh, higher rates of uh, people li living with very limited incomes, uh, which again creates uh, a very different situation. Um, so I, what I do know is that we've been tracking uh, what's been happening in LA County and comparing it to the state overall and to other communities uh, in other parts of the country that don't have masking requirements and don't have uh, the same level of vaccination coverage. And we've noted that, you know, we're doing much better than they are. So I'm, I'm grateful that we have a masking uh, requirement indoors and I do think it works and I, I think it makes a difference. Um, in, t in, in terms of your, your last question of why do we think uh, hospitalizations uh, increased uh, so much? I, I think if you if you look on on um, on that slide, I, I know we, we don't have capacity to like pull it up here, uh, but you'll notice that the biggest increases uh, that we saw in hospitalizations happened uh, and are associated with the Delta variant circulation uh, becoming more and more dominant. Um, and so for unvaccinated people, I mean, the data I show every week shows just how much risk there is for unvaccinated people who become infected. 
uh, to then end up being hospitalized. So I'm actually not that surprised uh, by these uh, big increases in hospitalizations, uh, particularly for, for those people who are unvaccinated. And again, uh, we've been noting all along that as you increase uh, the number of people who are fully vaccinated and are in fact uh, infected, a certain portion of them uh, because of underlying health conditions perhaps or their age uh, may also end up uh, requiring uh, hospitalization as well. So I think a lot of the explanation there around is the Delta variant and, and what, you know, how much it's changed uh, what's going on uh, in terms of uh, how sick people are getting and how many people are getting infected. So I, I would say that that probably explains a lot of that. So thank you very hopefully, much. Hopefully I got to all your questions. You did, you did, thank you. Okay, great. Uh, we can go on to the next question. So Ron was our final uh, reporter in queue to ask a question. So let me just give a final reminder before we conclude. If you want to ask a question, you can either send me a quick chat or click on the hand icon and that will put you into the queue. And it looks, Dr. Ferrer, that we are all set for today. No other questions. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, everyone. As, as always, we appreciate uh, all of the accurate reporting and feel free to continue to send us our questions. Just as a reminder, uh, we won't have uh, press releases uh, over this weekend as we are uh, upgrading our, our major data systems. So thanks a lot. Great, thank you. And we'll, we will make uh, remarks in Spanish in uh, about five minutes. Okay, Tim, I'm ready. So I'm going to start right now. Eh, gracias por acompañarnos en la sesión informativa de hoy. Esta tarde hablaremos sobre nuestras tendencias de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes por estado de vacunación, grupo de edad, raza y etnia. Brindaremos una actualización de nuestros datos eh, sobre variantes, revisaremos nuestro progreso con la vacunación y compartiremos algunos datos sobre índices de tasas y factores de riesgos de muerte por estado de vacunación. Eh, first slide, please. Nos entristece informar de 50 muertes adicionales. Al menos 42 de las personas que murieron tenían problemas de salud subyacentes. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a 25,611 en el condado de Los Ángeles. A todos los que han perdido amigos y familiares durante este momento difícil, les deseamos paz y alivio y nuestras oraciones están con ustedes. Hoy estamos reportando 2,024 casos nuevos, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,427,817. A la fecha, más de 8,3 millones de personas se han sometido a pruebas y sus resultados se han informado al condado de Los Ángeles. Nuestra tasa diaria de casos positivos con base en la prueba es de 2,6%, una ligera disminución con respecto a la tasa del mismo día de la semana pasada de 3,0%. Nuestra tasa de casos promedio diaria con un retraso de 3 días es ahora de 14,6 casos por 100,000 personas, una disminución de casi 8 puntos porcentuales con respecto a la tasa de casos con retraso de 3 días de la semana pasada, de 223 casos por 100,000 personas. Hay 1,368 personas actualmente hospitalizadas con COVID-19, una disminución de 58 personas desde la semana pasada. 
Actualmente hay 238 investigaciones abiertas en entornos residenciales congregados y entornos no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID. Esta es una disminución de 19% desde la semana pasada y refleja la reducción en el contagio comunitario. Queremos recordarles que este fin de semana realizaremos mejoras en nuestros sistemas de procesamiento de datos, por lo que no se presentarán datos el sábado ni el domingo. La recopilación de datos o las investigaciones de brotes no se verán afectadas por posponer, por posponer la presentación de los informes, pero no emitiremos comunicados de prensa en estos dos días. Next slide, please. Para evaluar el riesgo de COVID en el condado de Los Ángeles, usamos los indicadores y umbrales de los CDC para categorizar la transmisión comunitaria de COVID-19. Observará que, en este, que este marco utiliza una tasa de casos acumulativa de 7 días, es decir, un número de casos de, por cada 100,000 eh, durante la semana pasada, en lugar de una tasa de casos diaria. Si bien la transmisión en el condado de Los Ángeles permanece en el nivel alto, con nuestra tasa de casos acumulada de 7 días, ahora es de 104 casos nuevos por 100,000 residentes. Esta casa, tasa de casos representa una bienvenida disminución del 35% con respecto a la semana pasada. Esta es la tercera semana consecutiva que hemos visto disminuciones en nuestra tasa de casos en general. Hemos visto una disminución de casi el 50% desde nuestro pico de 204 casos por 100.000 el 19 de agosto. Vale la pena señalar que estas recientes disminuciones pueden reflejar los requisitos de uso de mascarilla implementados a principios del aumento de casos y a los pequeños incrementos en nuestra cobertura de vacunación. Otras partes del país que no tienen requisitos de uso de mascarilla y tanta cobertura de vacunación no han visto una reducción significativa en el número de casos. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las tendencias de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes en nuestro condado desde el comienzo de la pandemia hasta el 2 de septiembre de este año. Durante la pandemia hemos visto casos en su punto máximo y en declive. El 2 de septiembre los casos aquí representados por la línea verde habían disminuido aproximadamente un 22% con respecto a la semana anterior. Aunque damos la bienvenida a las disminuciones, estimamos que con el aumento de las pruebas rutinarias de detección y la interacción en las escuelas y los lugares de trabajo, junto con los viajes y las celebraciones del Día del Trabajo, enfrentamos el riesgo de que nuestros números de casos vuelvan a aumentar nuevamente. Las hospitalizaciones pueden continuar bajando levemente con un cambio descendente del 3% durante la última semana a aproximadamente 1,600 personas hospitalizadas al día, aclarando que esta disminución ha continuado esta semana por debajo de las 1,400 hospitalizaciones reportadas en los últimos días. Dado que las muertes se retrasan aún más con respecto a las hospitalizaciones, anticipamos que se seguirán registrando docenas de muertes cada día. Estas pérdidas continuas son insoportables especialmente porque muchas se pueden prevenir con la vacuna contra el COVID que están ampliamente disponibles y son extremadamente seguras. Next slide, please. 
Este gráfico de barras muestra el número de casos causados por la variante Delta. Y como puede ver, Delta ahora representa el 100% de todas las cepas secuenciadas. Esta variante es más infecciosa y se transmite de manera más eficiente entre personas en comparación con las cepas anteriores de COVID. Y aunque los datos que han surgido afirman que las personas completamente vacunadas están bien protegidas de infecciones graves con variantes Delta, ahora está claro que las personas completamente vacunadas pueden infectarse y si se infectan con Delta pueden infectar a otras personas. Next slide, please. Uno de los laboratorios que realiza gran parte de las secuencias cuyos resultados están vinculados con los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles volvió a analizar recientemente muchas de sus muestras con una versión actualizada de la biblioteca genética utilizada para identificar variantes. Como consecuencia, el laboratorio reclasificó muchas muestras más antiguas como variantes mu o lambada, lo que resultó en un aumento en el número total de estas variantes informadas vinculadas a los, recientes, a los residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles por nuestro Laboratorio de Salud Pública. Ahora estamos reportando 232 casos vinculados a variantes de MU y 28 casos vinculados a, variante, a variantes de lambada. Como muestra este gráfico, la mayoría de estos especímenes se recolectaron a principios de verano, aunque ese, este informe se realizó la semana pasada. Observamos la variante de Mu y Lambada en particular porque si bien los CDC no consideran ninguna de ellas como variantes de interés o preocupación, la Organización Mundial de la Salud las identifica como variantes de interés debido a su participación en un contagio comunitario significativo y múltiples racimos de COVID-19 en varios países. Aunque MU era la cepa dominante en Colombia a principios de este año y estudios de laboratorio demostraron algunas características que indican que esta variante pueda que no sea tan prevenible por la vacuna como si no son por otras cepas de COVID, la variante MU ha sido superada por la variante Delta en los Estados Unidos. Mientras tanto, en su pico de junio, Lambada representó un poco más del 10% de las nuevas infecciones por COVID en América del Sur en junio de este año. Y si bien también porta mutaciones que sugieren que sería más infecciosa y resistente a las vacunas que las cepas originales de COVID, no ha resurgido después de alcanzar su punto máximo a nivel mundial a principios de julio. Continuaremos monitoreando las secuencias aisladas de los casos en toda nuestra región y seguiremos brindando actualizaciones periódicas sobre las tendencias variantes entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles. Next slide, please. Como siempre, hacemos un seguimiento de la eficacia de las vacunas analizando las experiencias de todas las personas vacunadas. Esta diapositiva muestra datos a escala para aquellos que están completamente protegidos por las vacunas. El gran recuadro verde representa a los casi, casi 5,3 millones de residentes que están completamente vacunados. El pequeño recuadro púrpura en la esquina inferior izquierda de este recuadro representa a las 43,598 personas completamente 
completamente vacunadas que dieron positivos por COVID al 7 de septiembre del 2021. Si bien este es un aumento del 16% con respecto a la semana pasada, es importante anotar que este sigue siendo un porcentaje de menos del 1% de todos los vacunados que se han infectado con COVID. De los que dieron positivo, 1,243 fueron hospitalizados en comparación con 1,049 de la semana anterior. Esto se traduce en 0,023% de todas las personas totalmente vacunadas que resultaron hospitalizadas. Las muertes en este grupo durante este lapso también aumentaron de 118 a 165, con un pequeño aumento de 0,0031% de las personas totalmente vacunadas que fallecieron. Estos pequeños aumentos nos dicen algo que ya sabemos. Cuando tenemos una vacuna que brinda una excelente protección contra las hospitalizaciones y muertes relacionadas con COVID, pero algo de menos protección contra la infección y el contagio, veremos un aumento de las infecciones entre las personas vacunadas, especialmente cuando el contagio comunitario es elevado. Sin embargo, también veremos tasas relativamente bajas de hospitalización y muerte. Estos hallazgos nos aseguran que la vacuna está haciendo un trabajo muy importante para reducir drásticamente la enfermedad y el sufrimiento de COVID entre las personas que se vacunan. Next slide, please. En el siguiente conjunto de diapositivas mostraremos los resultados por estado de vacunación clasificados por raza y etnia, así como por grupo de edad adulta. En todas estas diapositivas, los grupos no vacunados están representados por líneas de puntos, mientras que los grupos vacunados están representados por líneas continuas. Esta primera diapositiva muestra que la tasa de casos más alta se encuentra ahora entre las personas latinas no vacunadas, representada por la línea gris punteada, seguida por las personas blancas y afroamericanas no vacunadas, representadas por las líneas punteadas azules azul y rojas. Tanto las personas vacunadas como las no vacunadas pueden infectarse, aunque es probable que su vulnerabilidad a la infección sea diferente. Entonces, entre todas las personas, independiente del estado de vacunación, las tasas de casos dan evidencia de una exposición. Las tasas de casos en adultos afroamericanos y de color pueden ser más altas debido al aumento de la interacción que se dan en los lugares de trabajo que involucran contacto cercano, frecuente con muchos otros. Como muchos establecimientos y negocios están completamente abiertos, sin límites de ocupación o requisitos de distanciamiento, los riesgos de exposición son mayores, particularmente para aquellos que no están completamente vacunados. Next slide, please. En esta diapositiva que muestra las tasas de casos en adultos por grupo de edad, observará que las tasas en todos los grupos de edad tienen una tendencia a la baja, pero aún difieren considerablemente tanto por el estado de vacunación como por el grupo de edad. Las tasas más altas se encuentran entre los adultos no vacunados entre las edades de 18 y 49, representada aquí por la línea punteada de color púrpura. Las siguientes tasas de casos más altas se encuentran entre los adultos mayores no vacunados, representados por la línea amarilla punteada, y debajo de ellos los adultos jóvenes vacunados en la línea púrpura continua, y los adultos mayores vacunados. En la línea amarilla continua tienen las tasas más bajas. 
Los adultos no vacunados en ambos grupos de edad tienen de tres a cinco veces más probabilidades de infectarse que los adultos vacunados. Las tasas más altas de casos aquí en adultos más jóvenes puede que sean una consecuencia de las interacciones que se dan al estar fuera de la casa, ya sea trabajando o divirtiéndose. Next slide, please. Al examinar los datos sobre hospitalizaciones, puede ver que la tasa de hospitalización más altas continúan estando entre los residentes afroamericanos no vacunados, representados por la línea azul punteada, seguidos por los residentes latinos no vacunados y los residentes blancos, representados por la línea rojas y grises. Mientras tanto, las tasas de hospitalización siguen siendo muy bajas entre las personas vacunadas de todas las razas. Next slide, please. Mirando ahora todas las hospitalizaciones por grupo de edad, la tasa de hospitalización más vaga, baja sigue estando entre los adultos mayores no vacunados representados aquí por la línea amarilla discontinua. Si bien ha habido una disminución en las hospitalizaciones en este grupo de edad, los adultos no vacunados de 50 años o más todavía tenían más de 17 veces probabilidades de ser hospitalizados que sus contrapartes vacunadas. Las hospitalizaciones... En adultos jóvenes no vacunados, representadas aquí por la línea punteada de color púrpura, disminuyeron levemente y ahora son 23 veces más altas que las tasas de hospitalización para residentes vacunados de 18 a 49 años. En relación con los adultos no vacunados, la tasa de hospitalización entre los adultos vacunados de todas las edades siguen siendo muy bajas. Next slide, please. Vimos un aumento de las muertes en el transcurso de agosto, la consecuencia esperada del aumento de casos de julio. Las muertes han sido más altas entre nuestros residentes afroamericanos no vacunados, quienes también han visto las tasas de hospitalización más altas en todos los grupos raciales y étnicos durante la mayor parte de este pico de la pandemia. Como puede ver en las líneas continuas a lo largo de la parte inferior de este gráfico, las vacunas continúan teniendo un fuerte efecto protector contra la muerte por COVID. Las tasas de mortalidad siguen siendo estables en todos los grupos vacunados, a pesar del aumento de las tasas de mortalidad entre varios grupos no vacunados. Debido a que los datos de defunción están atrasados con respecto a todos los, a, a los datos de casos, un promedio de casi, en un promedio de casi cinco semanas después de la fecha de la infección, no estamos incluyendo aquí ni en la siguiente diapositiva nuestros datos más recientes de defunción para evitar dar información incompleta que pueda resultar engañosa. Next slide, please. Al observar las tasas de mortalidad por grupo de edad, vemos que la combinación de edad avanzada y estado de no vacunación pone a las personas en un riesgo particularmente alto de muerte por COVID. Los adultos no vacunados de 50 años o más, representados por la línea amarilla discontinua, continúan teniendo un riesgo mayor que cualquier otro grupo, vacunado o no. En el, en el Último punto representado aquí, los adultos mayores no vacunados tenían 16 veces más probabilidades de morir por COVID que sus homólogos vacunados. Next slide, please. Para ayudar a ilustrar cómo ha evolucionado el efecto protector de la vacuna durante la primavera y el verano, podemos comparar las tasas de resultados diferentes entre personas con diferentes estados de vacunación mes a mes. 
aunque hay muchos números en esta diapositiva, queremos llamar la atención sobre la relación de incidencia de casos. Estos números representan las tasas de cada resultado en personas no vacunadas, incluidas aquellas que no han recibido dosis alguna y una dosis de la vacuna que requiere de un régimen de dos dosis divididos por las tasas del mismo resultado entre las personas vacunadas. Por ejemplo, al mirar los casos con la relación de incidencia de casos de abril de este año, vemos que las personas no vacunadas tenían 6,5 más probabilidades de infectarse que las personas vacunadas. A medida que han avanzado los meses y como lo sabemos, esa relación de incidencia ha disminuido lentamente a medida que más personas vacunadas han resultado positivas de COVID. Mientras tanto, al observar las proporciones de hospitalizaciones, vemos que en abril las personas vacunadas tenían más de cinco veces menos probabilidades de ser hospitalizadas por COVID que las personas no vacunadas. También vemos que desde abril el efecto protector de la vacuna contra una hospitalización casi que se ha duplicado y en agosto de este año las personas no vacunadas tenían cerca de 12 veces menos probabilidades de ser hospitalizadas que las vacunadas. El aumento general en las tasas de casos de hospitalización entre las personas no vacunadas y completamente vacunadas en julio y agosto está asociado con una mayor circulación de la variante Delta. Si bien el aumento en el contagio de la variante y la mayor mezcla entre personas durante estos meses probablemente aumentaron el riesgo de infección y hospitalización entre muchos, esta variante también puede asociarse con una enfermedad más grave. Estas crecientes tasas de hospitalización ponen al descubierto el impacto muy real y dañino de esta variante. Las fluctuantes relaciones de incidencia entre las muertes reflejan varias dinámicas. En los primeros meses, las muertes entre las personas no vacunadas fueron extremadamente raras, lo que contribuyó a las tasas de las tasas más altas en mayo y junio. Esta ta más tarde, en julio y especialmente en agosto, las tasas de mortalidad aumentaron entre las personas no vacunadas y durante el mismo tiempo hubo un pequeño aumento en la tasa de mortalidad entre las personas vacunadas. Incluso un pequeño aumento en una tasa muy baja tendrá un gran efecto en tasas en estas relaciones de incidencia de casos, lo cual explica por qué, incluso cuando las muertes aumentaron a un número mucho mayor entre las personas no vacunadas que entre sus contrapartes vacunadas, su relación de incidencia se mantuvo estable durante julio y agosto. Incluso con el pequeño aumento en las muertes entre las personas completamente vacunadas durante el final del verano, en julio y agosto, las personas no vacunadas tenían 10 veces más probabilidades de morir de COVID que las vacunadas. Next slide, please. Observamos las diferencias entre las personas de todas las edades que murieron por infecciones de COVID entre el 1 de mayo y el 5 de septiembre de este año y observamos las diferencias en la prevalencia de estas características según el estado de vacunación de quienes murieron. El número de personas completamente vacunadas que murieron durante este lapso fue de cerca de 1 de 10 del número de personas no vacunadas que fallecieron, es decir, 101 en comparación con 978. Las personas completamente vacunadas que murieron tenían un promedio 7 años más que las personas no vacunadas que fallecieron. Todos los que murieron tenían más probabilidades de ser hombres, con aproximadamente el 60% de todas las muertes, independiente del estado de vacunación entre los hombres. 
Casi todas las personas completamente vacunadas que murieron tenían al menos una afección médica crónica en comparación con el 88% de las personas no vacunadas que murieron. La mayoría de estas dolencias crónicas enumeradas aquí, hipertensión, diabetes, enfermedades cardiovasculares e inmunodepresión, tenían un, entre una y media y dos veces más probabilidades de estar presentes entre las personas completamente vacunadas que murieron en comparación con las personas no vacunadas que murieron. La enfermedad pulmonar crónica tenía aproximadamente 1,3 veces más probabilidades de estar presente entre las personas completamente vacunadas. En conjunto, estos hallazgos sugieren que las personas completamente vacunadas que mueren de la infección por COVID son de edad mayor y están más enfermas que las que fallecen y no están vacunadas. Next slide, please. Dada la poderosa protección que ofrecen las vacunas, seguimos enfocados en facilitar que se vacunen quienes aún no están vacunados. Al 5 de septiembre, el 91% de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles de 65 años o más habían recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna, al igual que el 76% de los residentes de 16 años o más o más y el 75% de los residentes de 12 años o más. El 66% de los residentes de 12 años o más han sido completamente vacunados. El 64% de los adolescentes del condado de Los Ángeles entre las edades de 12 y 17 años recibieron al menos una dosis y el 54% están completamente vacunados. En todo el condado, los proveedores del condado de Los Ángeles han, han administrado más de 54,000 dosis adicionales. De todos nuestros casi 10,3 millones de residentes del condado de Los Ángeles, incluidos aquellos que no están en los grupos aprobados para recibir la vacuna, el 65% ha recibido al menos una dosis y el 57% está completamente vacunado. Next slide, please. Este cuadro muestra el número de primeras dosis administradas cada semana, aunque tenga en cuenta que debido a un retraso en el informe de datos, las cifras de la última semana a menudo subestiman por entre 4,000 y 10,000 dosis el número total de dosis administradas. Actualmente, la tabla indica que entre el 30 de agosto y el 5 de septiembre administramos alrededor de 56,000 dosis en toda la red del condado, aunque esperamos que este número aumente un poco a medida que se informen dosis adicionales administradas, estamos logrando muy pocos avances en el aumento de la cobertura de vacunación entre nuestros residentes. Para evitar que este ciclo de picos se repita cada ciento tiempo, necesitamos ver un aumento significativo en la cobertura de vacunación. Si bien debemos continuar los esfuerzos que garantizan el fácil acceso y generan confianza en las vacunas, los mandatos de vacunación específicos, incluidos los que fueron anunciados ayer por el Distrito Escolar de Los Ángeles y por el presidente del país, deberían ayudarnos a, a ver que los números aumenten en las próximas semanas. Next slide, please. No solo nos preocupan los aumentos limitados en el número de personas que se vacunan, sino que siguen siendo un problema para nosotros las brechas persistentes en la cobertura de vacunación por edad y subgrupos raciales y étnicos. En esta tabla, 
Los grupos con tasas de vacunación inferiores al 50% están marcados en rojo, mientras que el resto está en blanco. Si bien nos sentimos aliviados de ver a muchos grupos vacunados a tasas superiores del 50%, ningún número en esta diapositiva se acerca siquiera al 100%. Muchas personas de cada uno de estos grupos siguen sin vacunarse y las brechas persistentes deberían preocuparnos a todos, ya que indican oportunidades significativas para una propagación del virus alta y continua. Necesitamos llegar a la mayor cantidad posible de personas en cada uno de estos subgrupos si queremos tener la oportunidad de poner fin a esta pandemia. En muchos casos, la dificultad para aumentar la aceptación de la vacunación en comunidades de baja cobertura está relacionada con la desconfianza en el desconfianza en el sistema de salud derivada de una larga historia de malos tratos en entornos médicos. Si bien la reparación del daño causado por las inequidades en la atención de la salud no sucederá de la noche a la mañana, no debemos empeorar estas inequidades al no actuar para cerrar las brechas de cobertura, pues esta falta de acción agravaría aún más la desproporción existente en casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes. Next slide, please. La vacunación sigue siendo nuestro camino más fácil, más eh, eficiente para salir de la, de la pandemia. Y las imágenes en esta diapositiva ilustran cómo. En las casillas que se ven aquí, los puntos de color gris, gris pálido representan a las personas sanas. Los puntos de color gris oscuro señalan a las personas vacunadas y los puntos rosados indican a las personas infectadas. Las imágenes en la parte superior de la pantalla suponen dos escenarios que ocurren antes de que se introduzca una variante infecciosa. En la de la izquierda, el 30% de la población ha sido vacunada y luego en el de la derecha, el 75% de la población ha sido vacunada. Puede ver que cuantas más personas se vacunan, incluso con una cepa menos infec infecciosa, menos contagio hay. Las imágenes de la parte inferior de la pantalla suponen los mismos escenarios, solo después de que la variante muy infecciosa se haya introducido y se haya extendido por toda la población. En la población de la izquierda, donde solo se vacunó el 30%, casi nadie ha escapado de la infección, ya sea que esté o no vacunado. Pero en la población de la derecha, alrededor de la mitad de la población total se ha infectado, mientras que la mitad restante, casi todos ellos vacunados, se ha salvado. Y estas imágenes no cuentan toda la historia. Imagine que entre todos los puntos rosados en la parte inferior de la pantalla, cada uno, cada uno de ellos representaba, representado a una persona recién infectada. Aquellos que no estaban vacunados en el momento de la infección tenían más probabilidades de contagiar la infección y, tenía, y también tenían 20 veces más probabilidades de ser hospitalizados y 15 veces más probabilidades de morir en comparación con sus contrapartes que fueron vacunadas en el momento de la infección. Por la seguridad de nuestra comunidad y de nuestros trabajadores y por la salud de nuestra economía, estaríamos en un lugar mucho mejor con la tasa de vacunación más alta a la derecha. La vacunación nos protege a todos y mantiene seguras nuestras comunidades, especialmente a nuestros niños, trabajadores y residentes de edad avanzada. Las vacunas son seguras y eficaces y están ampliamente disponibles. Si ya ha sido vacunado, le agradecemos por hacer su parte. Si aún no se ha vacunado, ahora es el momento. Hay muchas personas en todo el condado que pueden ayudar a responder sus preguntas y conectar a los que aún no están vacunados con los recursos y las vacunas. Ayúdenos a poner fin a la pandemia. 
Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.